Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Bus Podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are talking about that basketball game from last night. It was an ugly one. Um, in fact, I was going to do this podcast last night, and then I just didn't have the heart. <laughs> it was like a late night. Uh, took Tad a while to get into the media room. Um, had some writing to do, and then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to sleep on this one before I really dig in. And that's what happened. And so now it's Thursday, and now we get to talk about all that happened. Um, I think at this point, you know, it's not too big of a surprise, right, that this game came down to the wire. Um, actually, so, like, I got there, I sat down in, like, the media corner, took a picture and said, like, Buff should win this one by double digits, but I think we all have some doubts. You know, threw that on Twitter and... Got a response from, like, a Buffs fan, and I can't blame him for saying, why would there be doubts? Eastern Washington is 225th in Ken Palm rankings and atrocious on D. I was like, yeah, but we've kind of seen how this movie plays out, right? I mean, we'll, we'll, as of today, you know, the Buffs are 7-3. and three. They've had seven games come down to the final minute, and they've won six of those. And again, credit to them for winning those games, but... Out of all those games, not many of them really should have come down to the wire. Um, he brought up Eastern Washington being 225 in Ken Palm. I think, what, Southern Illinois is number 133. Um, or Montana State and Brown are both inside the top 200. Um, played a few other teams other than Eastern Washington outside the 200 that came down to the wire. It's not what you want to see. It's not what you want to see. You want to see that Colorado can kind of manhandle these teams, honestly, especially when they're playing in Boulder. Um, so, I mean, just initial reaction to the game coming down. And for those of you who hadn't seen it, let's let's go through this. Montana, sorry, Colorado. It's I'm, I'm a little tired still. <laughs> Colorado gets out to a 15-point lead in the first half. And you're sitting there thinking, well, this is this is great. This is what they should be doing. And and now it's happening. There's always like the little part in the back of your head that says, ah, you got to hold on to it. But you realize that it's Colorado playing Eastern Washington. And this shouldn't be a situation where you get outscored by 15 points the rest of the way. Um, what happens, though, is you get outscored by like 19 points um, as of four minutes left to go in the game. The buffs are down by four. Um, and, and have some work to do. And they get back-to-back three-point plays, one from Evan Batty, and then Jabari Walker does it. They convert both of those, 
and take a lead that they would never give away. There were some scary moments, though. Um, Eastern Washington missed a three that would have given them the lead uh, with, what, maybe 30 seconds to go. Uh, Jabari Walker gets the ball on the in, or, or gets the rebound, sorry, and gets fouled. He makes the first free throw. He misses the second. Uh, so three-point lead. Luckily, Tristan De Silva tips the ball to Jabari, and Jabari gets fouled again, obviously, with like 12 seconds left, something like that. Nine seconds left, maybe. He misses both free throws. <laughs> this time, Eastern Washington gets the rebound. They need three points to send the game to overtime. They they don't get a great look at the three, but you know they, they get down there and they make a pass. It's not like it was a half-court heave or anything. Um, and uh, they miss at the buzzer. So Colorado dodges a bullet, and again, they, they forced him into a tough shot at the end, I guess. Um, but whenever you're giving the opponent a chance to put the ball in the basket and send the game to overtime, it's not something that you like to see, especially against a team like Eastern Washington. So where do we stand after that? Uh, disappointed, right? Buffs were favored to win that game by 16 points. And I don't think many people were taking the buffs. I know that I think 63% of the money was, or 63% of the bets, I didn't see what the money was, was on Eastern Washington to cover that. And it's because Colorado has played like this in these games. This is the reputation they have. Um, just, just running through the results this season, it isn't easy to find results that you get excited about. You know, the season opener, you, you win 94-90 against Montana State in overtime. Then you you wind up beating New Mexico 87 to 76, but that came down to the final minute. Um, There's fouling and all that sort of stuff, so it wasn't really an an 11 point win like the uh, score would suggest. Um, I mean, it was, but <laughs> but it it was a very close game. Um, then the Buffs beat up on Maine 90 to 46. It's what you like to see. Go down to Paradise Jam for the only three games that haven't been in Boulder this season. Oh, sorry, that's actually not true because they had that game at UCLA. But uh, Southern Illinois beats them 67-63. Colorado squeaks by Duquesne 84-76. Uh, beats Brown 54-52. Uh, and then you get those those weird early season conference games. They beat Stanford at home 80-76. Uh, they lose to UCLA on the road, 73-61. Uh, Tennessee comes to Boulder and beats up on the Buffs, 69-54. And then you have this one, a 60-57 win over Eastern Washington. So many close games in there. And how many are you excited about? How many do you say, oh, that went well? It's not Montana State. It's not New Mexico. It is Maine. Um, it's not Southern Illinois. It's not Duquesne. It's not Brown. Um Stanford, hey, it's a conference win. You take any win in conference play. We'll call that a good result. Um, losing by 12 at UCLA, honestly, that might be a better result than some of the wins, but I just don't think you can get there. Um, it's got to be seen as a bad one. You can't be losing by double digits. Um, then home against Tennessee, obviously that's disappointing. Then Eastern Washington's disappointing. So what, two of 10 games you're saying – Hey, that went well with the UCLA game being, I mean, how much more could we really have expected? That's a really good team they played. 
that's why we're feeling like we're in a bit of a tough spot uh, following this basketball team right now. And again, how do you balance those those feelings? Saying, hey, what we saw was not what we wanted to see with the fact that they are 7-3. and three. And there's only four teams in front of the Buffs in the standings in the Pac-12 in terms of overall record. There haven't been enough conference games for that to matter. Um, one of those teams, Washington State, actually lost to Eastern Washington. So <laughs> there's that going on too. <sighs> what a what a grind so far, I think is the word to put it. And you know, Jabari said last night, um, let me let me actually find the the real quote here instead of paraphrasing. Um, I think we've got to figure out how to get a lead and maintain a lead. And I would agree because I mean that's what we've seen in a lot of these games. They have been playing from ahead and then just blow it. That's not something you can afford to do. Um, Tad pointed out um, that I mean, first of all, he said we're lucky to win tonight. Um, but then also said, you know, our poor shooting led to poor energy level and then kind of went off on this tangent saying, you know, you can't just start feeling bad for you. Nobody feels bad for the Colorado Buffaloes was one of the things that he said. Um, but you can't just say, oh, the shot's not falling. Let's all be disappointed and sad. You have to go win that basketball game. And he said, a poor shooting led to poor energy level. Um, said, what angers me is our lack of fire, our lack of energy. That's what I get angry at. I don't care if you miss a shot. What I care about is do you have a little life and spunk in you when you're in the huddle? And again, that's... It's a young basketball team, right? And I think when you think young basketball team, you think, oh, they're going to be stupid on the court. And to be fair, there's some of that too. There's, there's plays where they're just bad turnovers and they step out of bounds just a ridiculous amount of the time. So many traveling calls, it feels like. And yes, you do have that stuff going on. They're forgetting half the time how to guard a pick and roll. But you also have the fact that, you know, it's not just that some players inherently know how to behave in the huddle when things aren't going well. You have to have that energy. And that's what you hope is Evan Batty's role, is being in there and saying, hey, we got to kind of step up here. We got we to gotta get ready to go do this. You know, it doesn't matter what's happened the last 30 minutes. What matters now is we are holding a five-point or a five point lead with 10 minutes left in this game, and we need to go win this final 10 minutes. And that's a conversation that needs to be had, not, oh, no, we've given up a – we've lost the last 10 minutes by 10 points. We're blah, 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 blah. The, the shots aren't falling. I mean, the Buffs didn't make a three-point shot in the second half. I mean, I only I think they only took six of them. It might have been eight, but I'm pretty sure they only took six of them. So that, you know, it's not like they're 0 for 15. But when those things are happening, again, the mental fortitude, that is something I think that is learned. Now, some of it is inherent, and some of people are capable of more, and all of that stuff is totally true. But, I mean, they're 18-year-olds. They're emotional. And... You want them to be less emotional, or I don't even know if that's true. Less fussy might be the right word. Emotions are good. Being fussy is not good. So, I, where do we stand? I mean, in my mind, nothing really changed. You know, like I tweeted out, that's how I expected that game to go. I expected a narrow win over Eastern Washington, and maybe that makes me a pessimist. 
I don't really care because it's what we saw and I think it's what we should expect. You know, at this point, there's two games left before you get into the really tough stretch. You know, you, you have a game against Milwaukee. You have a game against uh, CSU Bakersfield. And then after that is I mean, your final non-conference game is against Kansas, currently number eight in the country. And from there, you get into Pac-12 play the rest of the way. Those opponents are better than the opponents that you've been seeing. And something has to change. And, you know, I, I don't even know how to look at this. You know, should should Colorado just had tougher opponents so that you get used to this stuff before you get into, you know, Kansas and then Pac-12 play? Really, Pac-12 play? You know, Kansas is a tough opponent. I guess you do schedule. Um, maybe. You know, I think that... You know, we talked about this with the women's team, right? I think the women's team scheduled things perfectly. They It's basically been a bunch of cupcakes. I think they've played, what, the number 99 team in Ken Palm? And that was the only... Or not Ken Palm, the net rankings. They don't have Ken Palm uh, for women. Um, or at least I haven't looked at it. Um, but outside of that, it's all teams outside of the top 100. And typically pretty significantly out of the top 100. It makes sense. You have a veteran team. You're not too worried about development, honestly. I think on the women's side, this is kind of the, maybe not the peak of an era, but you're coming close to it. If not this year, then next year. Now, at the same time, Jalen Sherrod's going to be around after that. Uh, Frida Foreman, uh, Kendall Weta's a freshman, and she looks incredible to this point. But in terms of this core group, this is their peak. And can you sustain that peak and build on that peak? It's possible. But when you look at the men's side, you're not sustaining something at this point. You know, you, you lost a lot of your team. You're, you're not just patching little holes. You're basically overhauling the identity of your team this season. And so, Again, we'll get back to that side. But on the women's side, when you have a team that you're looking at and saying, right now is when we're trying to compete. And ideally, it's from now on. But right now, we are trying to compete. We are trying to do the best that we can do to make it as far as we can go. And sometimes you have to focus on development. And that that, that distinction needs to be made. And so when you are in their shoes, and you know that you're playing in the Pac-12, which is the best conference for women's basketball... <sighs> You you schedule a bunch of cupcakes because you know that you're going to have plenty a plenty strong enough schedule regardless of what happens in non-conference play. The key on the women's side is just winning all of these Pac-12 games or as many as you can. You know, at least going 500. If you go 500 in Pac-12 play, you're an NCAA tournament team, and I think that they're capable of better than 500. Um, so. Yeah, make sure you get your wins. Don't find yourself in a situation where you finish the season, you know, 17 or, or 16 and 17 and you can't qualify for the NCAA tournament because of it. Make sure that you're padding those wins and then move along. On the men's side, I don't know how you should schedule. I think that, you know, I like the idea of letting them play a lot of games at home. They, they've only played at home and at Paradise Jam for those other three games uh, in terms of the, the non-conference games, the games that Tad gets to schedule. And you're definitely protecting the team, right? 
And that's very clearly the thought process. I mean, Tad has said basically that's the thought process. That was the basically same thought process behind sending them to Nebraska for an exhibition game because you know you're going to get 15,000 Nebraska fans who hate the buffs and you're going to get that experience under your belt. So is it good to say, yeah, let's let's play a bunch of game games at home. We expect them to be better there. See if we can establish some sort of home court dominance. Um and have this this blend of honestly kind of cupcakes and also Tennessee and Kansas. I think coming into the season I liked it. And so changing my opinion now is going to be a little bit flip-floppy and saying, well, it didn't... You can't even really say it didn't work because they are winning a bunch of games. They're 7-3. and three. Um, But, well, at this point, I look at it and say, yeah, it makes sense. Give yourself a bunch of wins, a bunch of practice games, and give yourself two opportunities to get marquee wins. And games that if you lose in Tennessee and Kansas, people aren't going to be that surprised. At the same time, would it have made more sense to say, bring in, well, this is this is really hard. Bring in a team like uh, Georgia Tech, Vanderbilt, uh, Rutgers, Georgetown, I guess, is kind of in there, um, Boise State. Ole Miss, you know, just just these teams that are that are real. I guess they weren't all Power Five teams, but basically like your mid tier Power Five team. You know, in Ken Palm, you're looking at teams that are like sixty to ninety. I think in hindsight, maybe that does make sense, and just say, hey, go cut your teeth against a bunch of teams that we're hoping is kind of our talent level. These are the teams that we want to be beating. You know, out of those teams that I named. I don't know how many there were. If there's six of them, you want to go four and two. And if you do that, then you're probably right on that bubble in terms of the NCAA tournament. Uh, instead, there's there's a bunch of teams that the bus should beat up on and a couple teams that they probably shouldn't, but you're giving yourself a home opportunity. I don't know what's right. Um, but to schedule things the way things are currently scheduled... You, you want to see more wins where you're just dominating. You know, you, you're, you're trying to hype these guys up, really, and say, hey, go beat these teams by wide margins, and then we'll figure out the rest from there. Again, it's, it's tough when you're coming out with slim margin wins over the teams that Colorado's played. A lot of them around 230, 210, 250 in, in Ken Palm. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, I can't say that I'm higher on this team than I was coming into the season. I mean, who could? Well, I think they're they're now they have two wins against the spread in ten games, so they've fallen short of the Vegas expectations. I think one was actually a push, but seven or eight times. You don't look at that and say, "Oh, this is going well," because I think Vegas's expectations probably were about what our expectations were. If anything, I think our expectations might have been just a little bit higher. At least mine were. Um, so, again, a win is a win. But in college football, that's definitely not true. In college basketball, it's also not really true. 
it, it, these margins matter and where you fit into all these different rating systems. The net ratings are going to be a factor when the committee sits down and decides who the first four in and the last four, or sorry, the last four in and the first four out are. So, I don't know. As of right now, you know, you don't look at this team and say, I think it's going to the NCAA tournament. You say, I think it's going to be one of the better teams in the NIT. That there's still plenty of time to change. And again, it's if, if they keep pulling out close wins in Pac-12 play, they go better than 500 in Pac-12 play, there's a good chance they're in the NCAA tournament. I think if you're better than 500 in Pac-12 play, and you include the, uh, the Pac-12 tournament in that, just total wins are more than your total losses, I think you do expect to go to the NCAA tournament. On the women's side, that's absolutely true, just because the conference is so good. On the men's side, the conference isn't quite that good. Um, so who knows? But that's that should kind of be the goal at this point. Have a winning record in Pac-12 play. And if you do that, why can't you get in? You're putting it in the committee's hands, which you don't love, but you'll take it at this point, right? You'll take it at this point. Uh, real quick, Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I drink a lot of their beers. I'm, you know what? Here's my plan for the weekend. I'm, I'm going up to that uh, basketball game, obviously, against Milwaukee on Friday. Then after game on Friday, driving up to Vail, and spending Friday night in Vail, skiing on Saturday, spending Saturday night in Vail, then driving back super early Sunday morning because we have the tailgate, like our NFL pre-game day show at 9.30 in Denver. So I have to be there, obviously, before that. It's going to be a really early morning. But on that show, we're going to be drinking a lot of beers. And after spending a couple of days not getting much sleep and drinking quite a bit in Vail. There aren't many beers that I would be willing to have at nine in the morning. Breckenridge Brewery, that's the way to go. In particular, like I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the seltzers just because they're a little bit softer at that time of day. Um but anything you get there. Strawberry sky at nine AM sounds much, much, much better than an obvious like a Coors Light at nine AM, but also like all the other beers. So it's good stuff. It's so drinkable. And it tastes good, too. You know, there's beer lovers out there who say, like, oh, you're being soft. Like, yeah, you guys will like it, too. There's there's plenty of options for everybody, including the Christmas Ale, which this time of year is the go-to. You can pick it up in, like, this mini keg that you can bring to Christmas parties or just drink yourself or whatever. Um, but, but you can get that. Most grocery stores, liquor stores, those sorts of things. So definitely check that out because it's really good stuff. Cannot recommend it enough. Also, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game, but with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, it's secure, it's reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code DMVR this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. 
gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Ooh, also, let's uh let's wrap this up with the DraftKings pick of the week. So, we don't have lines yet for the basketball games tomorrow night, which is when Colorado plays Milwaukee, but whatever it is, take Milwaukee to to cover. And I actually don't know if you can do a same game parlay, but if you could do Milwaukee to cover and Colorado to win, I feel like there's a good chance to make a lot of money. So there's your DraftKings pick of the week. Okay. Um let's get into some of like the more specifics. You know, that was all very broad terms about what's going on with the buffs. But last night, you know, we saw some familiar problems pop up again. You know, the three point shooting. More often than not, the three-point shooting has been bad this season. You know, I think three games in, Colorado was actually the best three-point shooting team in the Pac-12 conference. Uh, They were shooting 46%. They had like a five-percentage-point lead on anybody else. Well, now, for the season, they're down to just over 30%. They're actually at .3088. You've got Utah and Arizona State at .307. And then you've got... Oregon State at .291. So a a decent, I mean, a full percentage point difference between them and last place in the Pac-12, but they're within um, a tenth of a percent of being tied for second to last. So, again, that it's not what you want to see, but when you remember how good they were shooting early in the season... It makes you think about just how bad they've had to have been in these last seven games to fall that far. Um, It's an issue, and it's something that I am concerned about. I think that for this team to be successful, they need to be able to knock down open shots. And, you know, we we talked about this earlier. Tad, Tad says his job is just to get them open looks. He can't put them in. That's on them. And if they don't put them in, you know, sometimes that just happens. He's right, and that's the approach that you have to take on a game-to-game basis. But big picture, there's there's plenty of reason to be concerned. Um, on top of like the, the percentage, Colorado, I guess actually they're eighth in three-point attempts. Um, they, they also have taken, oh, here we go. We want per game. Threes made per game, they're 11th. There we go. That makes more sense. It's not like they're shooting a lot of them and that's making the percentage go down. They aren't really forcing all that many threes and they're still not making them. Um, this team we knew would have we knew would have flaws. Um, potentially defensively, they'd get bullied a little bit. Um, offensively, the you know freshman mistakes are what you expect. But to have that sort of stuff happening and to be missing three pointers, it's it's not a good formula. And it's not really something that you can change at this point either, right? Like you can't just all of a sudden become a good three-point shooting team in the way that you can, you know, practice guarding the pick and roll more. So, again, it's still too early just to say a team is this or a team is that. But that's a major concern and it popped up again last night. And just to put numbers on that, Colorado was... 4 of 14 from 3 in the first half, 0 of 6 in the second half. It's not good. That's 20% for the game. And, uh, again, there isn't much you can do about it, right? Like, 
if they can't shoot, they can't shoot. Uh, Jabari was 0 for 5. You know, that's when we saw him last year shoot much better than 50% from 3. So maybe he steps up. You know, Tristan De Silva should be able to make more. Keyshawn's 1 of 4. You know, if he's taking 4, you probably expect one half the time and two the other half, and then you wind up 30-something percent. Um, yeah, just just rough. Um, the the bench really struggled. I think the bench played more minutes in the first half than they have, at least in the last couple of weeks. Um, I think they combined for 38 first half minutes when things got tight in the second half, got cut down to 24 minutes. Um, bench scored 15 points in the first half. Didn't score a point in the second half. We're seeing those struggles. And this was an intentionally wide rotation from Tad Boyle. You know, he wanted to get five guys in off the bench. He wanted to give them significant minutes. Um, he said, you know, he wants to develop these guys and give them some playing time. And he didn't say we can do it in this game because we're playing Eastern Washington and we should have a little bit of wiggle room. But that's pretty obviously what he's thinking. You know, there's a reason he's expanding the bench in, or sorry, expanding the rotation in uh, a game against Eastern Washington instead of a game against Tennessee. So there's that going on as well. Um, the pick and roll defense, you know, it's been an issue all season. It's, I mean, it was better than it was against Tennessee when Kennedy Chandler was getting downhill whenever he wanted and scoring at the rim on half of Tennessee's possessions, it felt like. Um, it wasn't quite that bad, but also compared to the level of competition, it was probably about the same. That's something that needs to change. Um, I think, I mean, honestly, those are kind of the big takeaways. Those are the ones that really stand out. Um, worth noting, Jabari was uh, it was his sixth double double of the season. I think so. That's the most in the conference. Um, he's second in the conference in rebounding, and it still feels like he's been pretty quiet. And I think maybe if you're looking for bright spots, the fact that he put up 17 and 10 last night, and it felt like he wasn't doing all that much. He had some loud moments. He definitely had some loud moments. I mean, that means that there's more out there for him, and that could be on the way soon. Uh, you look at, I mean, Tristan De Silva still just isn't clicking. It, that'll come at some point. You know, Lawson Lovering, I think, played some of the best minutes of his career so far. Uh, there was also times where he got a little bit turned around. There was one where, like, somebody tried to pass him the ball, but he was looking the other way. And so you still have some of that sort of stuff, which is, again, that's just when you have all these freshmen out there, you expect some of that. Um, but... He did look really good, and what he finishes two or three from the field, four points, a couple rebounds, an assist, a steal. There's there's a, there's plenty to like. It just again isn't clicking for him yet, and that's kind of the story of this team, and it's what we expected. All of this isn't too much of a surprise, right? This this entire podcast, everything I've had to say, because we knew it would be a roller coaster. We knew that this team was going to look good some nights and look bad others. Maybe would have hoped for a couple more good nights. I mean, yesterday was so close. They just kind of imploded late in that first half, which, again, was something Keyshawn pointed out. He said, we need to start finishing halves. Um, but for the first 15 minutes or so, it was the Colorado Buffaloes team that we wanted to see. And then something changed. And you just haven't seen many complete games to this point. Again, we didn't just expect roller coasters in terms of, like, big picture throughout the season trajectories. 
but also within games. And there's been a lot of that, and that's really been the what's what's defined this season. Um, so I don't know. We'll leave it at that. We'll talk some football here soon. Um, next podcast will be a football one. I uh, oh wait, oh no, they just set the time for February fifteenth. I thought I just got an email about a time change for tomorrow's game. Nope. Um, let's leave it at that. See you guys tomorrow.